Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders Live. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective, and we're thrilled you're along for the ride with us. You can go to our website, wallbuilderslive.com, and get more information about the program. It's also a great place to donate if you'd like to amplify this voice of truth and influence more people out there in the culture to save our constitutional republic. Then make your donation today at wallbuilderslive.com. Com. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach and a former Texas legislator. It's my honor to be here with David and Tim Barton. David is, of course, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. Tim Barton's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders, and you can learn more about all three of us at that website, wallbuilderslive.com. That's also the place to get archives. So if you've missed some programs in the last few weeks, maybe you want to grab some of those interviews, maybe grab some of the Pro Family Legislators Conference presentations that we've shared on the air. Uh, or maybe you just need a pick-me-up. You want to go listen to some of the Good News Friday programs and find out about some of the good stuff happening out there. Or maybe you want to dive a little deeper in some of the foundational questions that people send in to us. We do those on Thursdays. That's uh, Foundations of Freedom Thursday. Anyway, all of those programs are available at the website, wallbuilderslive.com. Check out the check out those archives. There's a wealth, a wealth of information there, and it will encourage you. It'll inspire you. It'll equip you. And uh, it'll give you what you need to be the catalyst in your community to be the one that, that is sparking a fire of liberty, that, that's literally restoring biblical values and constitutional principles. So I highly recommend that you go check that out today at wallbuilderslive.com. Now, we're going to be not so live today. We're actually sharing a presentation again from the Pro-Family Legislators Conference. We've done a lot of this over the last few weeks because there's just so much great material where these speakers came in and shared with these state reps and state senators from across the nation. And frankly, we want you to be able to get that great information as well. So we're sharing as much of it as possible with you and making sure that uh, that you're equipped to be the leader in your community. Just like these legislators are for our particular states, you can be that leader in your community and influence what's happening there in your neighborhood and at your church. So we'll continue to bring you more and more of this programming throughout the year. This may be the last one for a little while in terms of a, a presentation uh, this week or the next couple of weeks, but these Pro-Family Legislators Conference pre- uh, presentations have, uh, have, have really been encouraging to a lot of people. You've heard from Glenn Beck and, of course, several of David Barton's uh, Yako, we had Kelly Shackelford, John Lott, Mike Ferris. I mean, it's it's been a, a pretty star-studded couple of weeks with these uh, with these presentations. So we've got one more for you today and tomorrow, and then we'll be getting back into our regular programming with Foundations of Freedom Thursday and and Good News Friday later in this week. And that final program, at least for now, we might have some a little later for you in the year though. Uh, but that final program is Justin Haskins. He uh, is part of the he, he co-authored the Great Reset with Glenn Beck. He's also the director of the Socialism Research Center and uh, editorial director and research fellow for the Heartland Institute. And so what, what he's doing is giving a presentation on ESG, which is this this crazy effort. And this is going to be at a high level uh, just so that we can basically understand it. But it's this crazy effort to essentially judge every company and every individual on on where they are on the environment and other issues. It's the whole China model. Can you actually go to the store and buy anything um, based on whether or not you've been a good or bad person according to their outlandish leftist policies. And so it's um it's it's already in America. This is not this is not this could come to America. It's already in America. So this is Justin Haskins and uh Donald Kendall and they're going to be covering this ESG issue. So let's jump right in. Uh this is the Pro Family Legislators Conference. But yeah, I just first I want to just say that I'm I'm inspired by all the enthusiasm that's here. Uh just just the amount of uh, the presentations, the conversations that I've had just kind of shows just how dedicated everybody is to the to the cause of liberty. So 
Uh, and that's saying a lot because when Justin and I first started talking about all this ESG stuff, uh, we, we thought it was insurmountable. We like put our heads in our uh, hands, uh, heads in our hands. And we're just like, we don't know what to do. So the fact that so many people are aware of this now uh, gives me hope that we can actually uh, do something about it. So first off, I'm Donald Kendall. This is Justin Haskins. We work at the Heartland Institute, which is a state-based public policy think tank where we got uh, our hands in all 50 states across the country. And one of the things, one of the benefits that Justin and I have had at the Heartland Institute is a whole lot of freedom. Uh, they basically have gave us a really long leash to pursue whatever we thought was important at the time. So with that freedom, we created the Socialism Research Center at the Heartland Institute. And between that and a couple of other things, uh, a couple of coincidences, it led us to working with Glenn Beck. And uh, with Glenn Beck, we worked with uh, him on his Arguing with Socialists uh, book, which was a New York Times bestseller, if I'm not mistaken. It was. Of course. Um, so then after that work, a couple of months later, Justin calls me up on the phone, which he so often does, and starts picking my brain. He says, you ever hear about this great reset thing? And this was before anybody was talking about it. I said, no, I haven't. He says, well, let me just read off a couple of quotes to you here. So he starts reading off a quote. I'm going to read off one of them. This is from Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum. He says, Every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. So then he starts reading off, this is Justin, starts reading off a, uh, several more quotes, one from the then Prince Charles, somebody from the UN, Greenpeace International, all talking about the great reset, all using these same words. So I thought, okay, this is interesting. You know, it's kind of creepy. Uh, all these global elite types all using the same playbook. Uh, we should dig into this. It should, should be good fodder for our Socialism Research Center. So we start digging into it, and we realized that the mechanisms that were needed to initiate this transformation of every country and, and every industry were already being built. In fact, they, were, they had been built. They were just being uh, rolled out. So, and, and first, let me say, the, the Great Reset... There, there's been a, a, an attempt to condition people that when they hear the words "the Great Reset," that it's this baseless conspiracy theory, and that it's got no—it's not grounded in reality or anything like that. But we did the research, we listened to the speeches, we read all the documents, we even transcribed some of the lectures. I'm not even joking about that. <laughs> we sound like losers the way it, you're describing. It's true, but but that's 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 how we, we get actually have lives. So. <laughs> I promise. But we found out that the backbone of this Great Reset was uh, was called ESG. This was the mechanisms that were going to be put in place to change every nation, change every industry. So we did even more digging, and we started putting the puzzle pieces together. And when we put all the pieces together, we saw a terrifying picture. And this picture was the potential of totalitarian control over uh, every level of industry and society in general. So once we put that picture together, we knew what we had to do. We had to go tell Glenn Beck. So Justin goes and he talks to Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck sees the picture. He realizes the implications of this system. And uh, he uses his, his uh, microphone, his influence to spread this message, this warning to every freedom-loving person that he can reach. Uh, we, we worked with him on the book, The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. And we tried to bring this conversation uh, to the national level. And that brings us to where we are today. Uh, I think that most people have probably heard about the Great Reset or ESG, is that 
I mean, if you turn on Fox News, you'd probably have seen some stuff about it. You turn on anything, you'll, you'll see some stuff talking about the Great Reset and ESG. And despite the innocuous name ESG, this might be the most important issue going on in the, in the world. And I, I, don't, I don't think I'm overstating that. This might, this might have the, the potential to change the way the world operates. Uh, it might have the potential to consolidate all, an incredible amount of power in the hands of just a few people. And it also has the potential to serve as an end around to all of the freedoms that we hold so dearly here in the United States. All right, folks, hang on. We got to take a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to Wobble. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. Alexis de Tocqueville, a political official from France, traveled to the United States in 1831 and penned his observations in the now famous book, Democracy in America. Being from France, what he found in America was completely unexpected to him. He reported, upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this. In France, I'd almost always seen the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom marching in opposite directions. But in America, I found that they were intimately united and that they reigned in common over the same country. De Tocqueville recognized that it was biblical Christianity and the morals it produced that made America great. For more information about Alexis de Tocqueville and the positive influence of Christianity in early America, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wall Builders. We are here in a presentation from out at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. Let's jump right back in with Justin Haskins and Donald Kendall. So, Justin, before I go any further, can you just reassure everyone that I'm not being hyperbolic about this? No, you're not. No, <laughs> it really is truly the most important, remarkable story that's facing the country. Almost everything that happens in the news is in some way related to ESG, even stuff that you would think, no, I don't see, I don't see the connection. No, there is a connection. I can assure you there is a connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get pretty deep into this. So I just wanted to start off just in case there's some people are a little hazy on ESG, just start off with a very basic primer. So uh, ESG is basically a social credit score for businesses. So a point of reference that I like to compare this to is something that you might've heard of coming out of uh, the good old uh, communist China with their social credit score where the Communist Party has basically created a way to grade their citizens to see how good of a comrade they are. And based on their score, they can earn certain freedoms or on the other end of that spectrum, be punished 
Uh, and ESG is a very similar concept, but for businesses in the United States. So instead of using, you know, what websites you go to or, uh, you know, whether or not you uh, jaywalk or something, uh, ESG is comprised of environmental, social, and governance metrics. So all of these metrics, these three pillars, are comprised of a whole host of different measurements. So the E, for example, the environment, that will track different, uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, you know, how much, uh, how much carbon emissions you have, how much nitrogen emissions does a corporation have, uh, water usage, how much of an environmental footprint does a corporation have, and all of those things are tallied up to generate a score. The S and the G, you can kind of, it's composed of a whole bunch of different metrics that would kind of fall under that social justice umbrella. So this would include different things like uh, diversity and inclusion uh, quotas, uh, total taxes paid, you know, because we have to make sure corporations are paying their fair share. How much uh, do they pay livable wages to their to their employees? All of these things are measured and they're all put together to generate a score for a business. And then the score is used to determine how successful a, a corporation or a business or an industry is allowed to be. So that's that's the essence of what ESG is. Um, and we believe that with full implementation of this system, um, the, this will be the system that allows for that great transformation of every industry and every nation that Klaus Schwab was talking about. So to drive this point home, uh, how insidious this is, I just want to point out two more things, and I'll let uh, Justin do some talking here. One is the subjective nature of these metrics. So in a traditional capitalist system, free market system, uh, a, a company is judged by a bunch of objective factors, whether that's the value of assets or their net income or anything. It's, it's an apples to apples uh, uh, a way to compare other companies or, or other industries to each other. Whereas these metrics that I listed off a handful of, while some of them might be laudable, are completely subjective. So how, how many points does a corporation get if they make sure their carbon footprint is low? And how, many, uh, how, how do those points compare to whether or not they have a certain diversity quota met on their board of directors? It's completely subjective. It's all in the hands of the rule makers that are determining these metrics. They are given ultimate power over all of this system. And they get to decide who are the winners and who are the losers. And they also have the ability to change the rules whenever they want. Which brings me to my second point. They can change the rules wherever they want. So this, these, all these metrics that I listed off are in an effort to kind of combat kind of the, the issues that are in vogue, whether that's fighting against climate change or uh, you know, trying to right some social injustice. But what's stopping them from adding a new metric down the line? What's stopping them from adding a metric that punishes corporations for not cracking down on hate speech? doesn't matter what the Constitution says. This is a voluntary interaction between all of these different businesses. If you thought the, the conservative censorship on social media was bad, just wait until they're incentivized by an ESG-type system. Or, or how long before uh, somebody proposes an ESG metric that intends to uh, help uh, fight America's gun violence uh, problem? So... Um, Companies would be punished theoretically if, if they had any uh, involvement in the manufacturing and sales of firearms. This is a real possibility, and we're kind of already seeing signs of this. The Blaze, just a couple of months ago, published an article talking about SIA, which is one of the largest trucking companies in the United States. And they made an announcement that they're not going to do any business with firearms anymore, that their trucks won't be used to transport any, anything that's involved in firearms. 
And there was another story that came out about uh, coding certain gun purchases in a, with a certain code. And I think that that, this is just my theory, but I think that that is a toehold for the eventual ESG metric that is going to allow uh, a, a system to be able to punish corporations uh, for dealing with firearms. So this is the type of system that we're, that we're uncovering, that we we're putting all the pieces together, and that is scaring us to death. And the, and the scariest part about it, you don't need stakeholders' consent. You don't need the voters' consent. You don't even need the government's consent. You just need corporations to buy into this idea. So usually when we when we paint this picture for everyone, they, they realize, yeah, this this is a big issue. Yeah. Uh, but some people, you know, they, they need a little bit more information, which we are glad to give, because the more you dig into this, the more you realize how insidious of a system this is. So the rest of this presentation, we're, we kind of uh, framed it around uh, frequently asked questions, the, the questions that we, that we get most often that are also the most important question that will reveal just how large of a system this really is. So let's start off, Justin, with, um, with the first question, which I, I said a little bit earlier that uh, this only works when the corporations buy into it. So are the are are enough corporations and companies and stuff buying into this to make this plan uh, as far-reaching as it could be? Right. So the answer to that question is yes, they are. They are. They, these are just a list of some of the corporations, organizations, et cetera, uh, involved with ESG, the Great Reset. These are open promoters of this. You can't see this if you're way in the back, but we've got things like Bank of America, Boeing, uh, Delta Airlines, FedEx, Pepsi, Coca-Cola. So if you drink soda, you're supporting ESG, apparently. <laughs> uh, the World Economic Forum, obviously, United Nations. Uh, basically, every large corporation in America is behind this. I mean, there is no doubt about it whatsoever. You can go to the next slide, actually, because I'll yeah, get to Yeah, that. Justin started putting this slide together. I was like, it's probably easier just to list off the ones that yeah. aren't buying into it. Yeah, that's, it, that's but... probably easier to do. So there was a report that was done by KPMG. This is one of the big four accounting firms. And they found that, this is, this is actually a few years old, 82% of large corporations in the United States already have ESG systems in place. Okay, these are all corporations that have voluntarily said that they've got this in place. They're proud of it. KPMG supports it. So this isn't from some far right-wing uh, source. 96% of the G250 the 250 largest companies by revenue is defined in the Fortune 500 produce ESG reports, okay? So the most powerful corporations in the world already have ESG systems in place. They put this in place a long time ago, and they are devoted to it. Now, why do we care? Who cares, right? If they want to do this, it's the free market, whatever. That's, whatever. that's what we're constantly being told. Well, we care because they're using this to transform society. It's not the free market because they're not responding to any normal market forces. They don't care what individuals want. They don't care what customers want. They don't care about any of the normal things that happen in a free market. The market is so corrupt, so broken, so full of, in, of, of absurd incentives uh, and, and perverse incentives and massive amounts of money printing, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that we, in effect, when it comes to these big corporations and financial institutions, don't have a free market anymore. This is cronyism, it's corruption, and it's transforming society. So I have a couple of examples of how this is transforming society. Um, and I don't have time to go through all of them. There are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, but I think this illustrates the point uh, to some extent. Uh, a couple of years ago, some of you might remember this, Coca-Cola rolled out a training program where they were teaching their employees to be less white. 
because, that's a direct quote, be less white so they can be, quote, less oppressive, less arrogant, and less ignorant. Because nothing says drink Coke. Like, stop being white, right? White people don't like Coke. How does that make business sense? All right, folks, one more break today. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Wall Bowlers. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the United States Constitution, but just felt like, man, the classes are boring, or it's just that old language from 200 years ago, or I don't know where to start? People want to know, but it gets frustrating because you don't know where to look for truth about the Constitution either. Well, we've got a special program for you available now called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green, and it's actually a teaching done on the Constitution at Independence Hall in the very room where the Constitution was framed. We take you both to Philadelphia, the Cradle of Liberty and Independence Hall, and to the Wall Builders Library, where David Barton brings the history to life to teach the original intent of our founding fathers. We call it the Quick Start Guide to the Constitution because in just a few hours through these videos, you will learn the Citizen's Guide to America's Constitution. You'll learn what you need to do to help save our constitutional republic. It's fun, it's entertaining, and it's going to inspire you to do your part to preserve freedom for future generations. It's called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. You can find out more information on our website now at wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Let's jump right back in with Justin Haskins and Donald Kendall speaking on ESG at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. All of the major banks in the United States today, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Citibank, all of these banks have pledged to get rid of the fossil fuel, anything having to do with fossil fuels from all of their business practices, not just internally. I'm not talking about their buildings going green. I'm talking about not lending to businesses that have anything to do with fossil fuels by 2050. And they've started rolling this out. So they've got benchmarks in place by uh, 2030. So they've already started doing this. Why would they do that while they're making money on this? Doesn't make any sense unless you have an understanding of ESG. Disney, right? These are the the family-friendly people that make their money off of talking cartoon animals, right? Now, all of a sudden, they're champions of the LGBTQIA plus community, right? Because, you know, when they're sitting around the room saying, what would make the Lion King more successful? They said, well, let's end it with a gay pride parade. That's really going to to make it work, right? It gives another name to Pride Rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Old Navy, a couple years back, ran a Christmas campaign where they hired a six-foot-four cross-dressing man to sell their Christmas pajamas. Uh, they spent millions of dollars on this. They're called Jingle Jammies, in case any of you are interested. You can go to oldnavy.com and buy them now. Um, but this is the kind of Not thing... This is the kind of thing that we're seeing all across the entire economy. It's transforming our society. Why are they doing it? It's not because people want it. It's not because consumers want it. It's because of ESG. That's what this, this is. That's what this is all about. So then, the next question is: Is it just because these corporations are woke? Is that really it? Are they just pursuing this because they can uh, virtue signal on commercials and doing that? Because when I'm listing off all of those different metrics, and there's dozens and dozens of metrics that all have to be tracked and cataloged and and reported and all of that, it seems like a lot of hoops to jump through. So right. why are these corporations doing it? Right. So there's three rough categories for why this is going on. We have coercion from banks and insurance companies, coercion from asset managers, and coercion from government. Notice that coercion is one of the key words here, okay? That's what's going on here. So we're going to start with coercion from banks and insurance companies. Essentially, what's going on is large banks and insurance companies have already made the commitment to screen out certain kinds of businesses, certain business practices, 
based on their ESG metrics. So when you go for a, trying to get, a, if you're a business and you want to get a loan or a banking service or something like that, they have trained their employees to recognize certain industries. They flag it uh, and they say, we don't want to do business with, say, a gun manufacturer or, say, a, someone who owns a gun shop or someone who just sells a part that's used in the gun manufacturing process. Or maybe you're just a shipping company that transports guns and maybe they don't want to have anything to do with that. The list goes on and on and on. Um, this is, this is the primary way that they're doing this by saying, if you can't get banking services and you can't get a loan, then you can't do business. Same thing is true with insurance companies. A lot of insurance companies have started to do this as well. Uh, I purchased a home earlier this year. Uh, not a good time to purchase a home by the way. Um, and one of the things they require when you purchase a home is you have to prove that you can get insurance on the home prior to the mortgage, them actually approving you for the mortgage. Well, if the insurance company says you got to have solar panels on the roof or we're not going to insure it, and all the insurance companies agree that that's what they're going to do, and this is the sort of thing they're talking about doing, then you can't get a mortgage because you can't get it insured, so you have no choice but to get the solar panels. So this is the kind of thing that they're doing. Um, now, they'll say this isn't happening. Banks and insurance companies will tell you they've, they've never heard. They can't believe that anyone would think this. This is a, it's a crazy conspiracy theory. So I want to give you some proof that it's happening because that's one of the main things. They're lying to anyone. If, if you ever hear from anyone from a bank who says this is not occurring, they're lying to you. This is an example. This comes, this is an industry report from Morningstar. Um, it's actually Sustainalytics, which is a Morningstar company. These people are pro ESG, okay? They support ESG. In the report, it's about sustainable banking. They say this, most major banks screen their lending portfolios against specific ESG risks as per the OECD due diligence guidance. And many embrace negative or positive screening for potential corporate lending transactions or project finance transactions. Screening strategies filter potential transactions using predetermined ESG criteria to rule companies in or out of contention for financing. Could they be any clearer? I don't think so. But we're going to go to another example. Yeah, I mean, you don't need many more examples than that, but I think we have time. Go ahead. Right, right. <laughs> this is from an actual Bank of America report. I found this by going through their annual report in their section on ESG in their annual report. They had a footnote that talked about their policies for ESG. Yes, I am a nerd. This is what I found in this. It talks about how they go about screening companies out, what they look at once a, a, a loan officer has determined this might be a potentially problematic company. Okay, folks, out of time for today. We got to take a, not a break. We got to shut down for the day. We'll pick up tomorrow with the final part of this presentation out of the Pro Family Legislators Conference. We sure appreciate you listening to Walter. We stand undivided.